Welcome back to the Desert Springs Church Podcast. It exists to supplement the ministry and growth of the body here at Desert Springs Church. My name is Drew, music pastor here, and I'm joined by... Chase. I am the theology minister. That was, a, that was a little bit of a slower hesitation. You're getting better. You're getting better at it. And we have a special guest with us for the first time. Very special. Pastor Sandy Beauchamp. Gosh. Uh, Sandy, thanks for joining us, taking the time, bro. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Sandy, you've been a, a lay elder for how long now? Year and a half. Year and a half? Yep. And how long have you been a member of Desert Springs? Ah, uh, gee, 94. So how many years is that? A lot? A few. Yeah. 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 94. That's great. So, well, yeah. So faithful. I wasn't even born yet. That's not true. No, nah, pretty close. <laughs> pretty close. Yeah. Um, we'll describe it to you. So Sandy's a faithful member, faithful pastor, um, and also a faithful worker in our community and for Albuquerque. You guys have lived in Albuquerque for a long time, right? Yeah, I moved here in 87. Yeah. And so kind of ever since. Gina's a native, so yeah. Awesome. So today we want to talk about work. That was the central theme of Chase's message on Sunday. And so we want to flesh out some of these things. And we thought that you'd be a great, uh, a great person to talk to and to help us think about work and how that applies to Christians, our worldview, um, and a theology of work. So to start mm-hmm. us off, why don't you just tell us, what do you do for what work? What do you do? What pays the bills for the Beauchamps? Yeah. So I am a managing director at Wells Fargo Advisors. Uh, my role is financial advisor and portfolio manager. So put in simple terms, I just help people manage their money. Um, um, yeah. Money man. Money man. So uh, how'd I get there? Um, yeah, you'd never have me in like junior high or high school, like most likely to succeed or most <laughs> likely to deal with money wisely or well. That wouldn't, that would, wouldn't be me. Uh but God had a great path, and there's a lot of comfort in the midst of that. So I'll just tr- try to hit the high points as I skim along. Um, so uh, I joined the Air Force to really as an effort to finish college, to help pay for college. Um, and while I was there, I had a, a flight commander that offered, hey, you want to learn about investing? And at the midst, in the middle of that, we're doing this chem warfare, chemical warfare training uh, which is absolute misery. So in Sacramento on the flight line, it's 110 degrees, you're doing all your work, you're getting in, and it's misery. So I will admit I had ulterior motives. It wasn't the pulls necessarily of learning about investing, but air conditioning mm. sounded really good. <laughs> I love air conditioning. Air conditioning. God, God will use anything, right? Even uh, yeah. air conditioning, yeah. Yeah, you're right. And so... I did have an interest because I knew zero. I can tell you the difference between a stock and a bond to save my life. So I'll fast forward. He took me in under his wing for about three months, which is also kind of unheard of because you have to have proficiency in hours and stuff like that. Um, And it was fantastic, a huge eye-opener for me. Uh, So we studied three different elements. We studied the Fed, so it's the 80s. So Paul Volcker was a Fed chairman at the time. And so we were concerning ourselves with inflation. What does the Fed do? What is their mandate? What does that look like? They're raising rates to kind of trim the economy. Uh, and, and what does that look like? Uh, number two, M&A, mergers and acquisitions. Uh, that was one of my favorite things to study. And he, he would, he's a salty dog and he would be really tough. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, 
what's happening, what, why is this company buying out this company, why is it accretive to them, are they vertically integrating, you know, maybe it's a material thing that they're going to be for their end product, maybe it's a distribution thing, it could be a lateral situation that has to do with, you know, buying out competitors, whatever. Last thing we did is we'd chart, hand chart. Each day, each price, we'd hand chart, look at patterns. It blew my mind that this kind of world existed. Hmm. And then he said, okay, you're going to need to have skin in the game. He said, you need to invest $80 every month. I got paid every two weeks, 40 bucks, so 80 bucks a month. Now, I made $440 a month. I still had a place to stay and food and stuff. Um, so he took me down to his stockbroker and I met him and we bought the Templeton Growth Fund. Hmm. T-E-P-L-X, I think is. Wow, you still <laughs> remember that. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that was it. I was hooked and it blew my mind that you can actually make money without doing the labor. Hmm. You mow the lawn, you get paid. I didn't mow lawn. You didn't mm. provide a service. And I got paid. product. just blew yeah. my head off. And so yeah. mm. that was it. That, wow. that, so he said, hey, they're going to close our base. We were rescue base. If I were you, and you should do what I say because I'm really smart, says he. And he is really smart. Uh, go to Curlin. It's a training base. You can fly at night, train at night, go to school during the day. And I said, okay. <laughs> I don't have a better plan. That sounds good to me. So that's what brought me here. And um, eventually I got my degree, undergraduate in finance, with a minor in economics. Met my lovely bride in the process. Got an offer at Prudential Securities for a whopping $2,000 a month. Wow. I was in high cotton. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm $440 to $2,000. Yeah. You know, I think that's below the poverty line now, 24000 a year. But anyway, then it was a big deal. And by God's grace, I got the job. And anyway, that gets us about as close as where we are now. So. Hmm. Interest of time, I'll stop there. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I understood most of those those words that you were using when you were talking about. Accretive. Uh, yeah, yeah, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Vertically integrated. Most of them separately, <laughs> though. Yeah. yeah. I never yeah. heard them in and that, that order. That all made total sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Sandy, there's so much I love about that, uh, even just encouraged by kind of that intergenerational com- component to that, you know, that here's somebody else that um, was, was teaching you mm. These these skills and even this value of just working hard yeah. and and directing you in that and, and how helpful um, how helpful that must have been and and you're a hard worker we know that I mean even from hearing that story you uh, you were working hard then and and continue so in the sermon uh, Sunday we were talking about how God has made us to be workers to work hard and and whatever we're you know whatever skills we've been trained in or whatever calling that God has called us into to work hard. And that working hard is connected to glorifying God. Mm-hmm. And and that was one of the things when um, we wanted to talk to you about this is because we know you're a hard worker, you've been successful, but that hasn't been separated for you from your walk as a Christian and what it means to glorify God through your job. So mm-hmm. how do you think about that? And maybe even incorporating your own testimony into that a little bit. How does how do you view your work as glorifying God? Yeah, that's a great question. So as Christians, we're all called to be salt and light. 
you know, let your light so shine that may me see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So mm-hmm. we are to do that, mm-hmm. no matter what. All work is honorable, I believe. We're all made in the image of God, so we all bake bread, mow lawns, preach, mm. provide financial advice, be a mom, be a dad, whatever. It's all to glorify God. So that's that really is um, our primary charge. So, um, so in my work, I'll just give you a few tangible things. Um, you know, you get really close with clients, mm. and that's a good part of this. And so you live out life through regular meetings with them, how's family, how's things going on, how's grandkids, whatever it would be. And um, there's trust, right? I'm managing their nest egg, right? So there's a sense of at least that trust happening there. And it lends itself to opportunities later on. Well, you know what? My grandson is in this situation or my, you know, you know, Joe, my husband, he didn't join us because he's having a surgery and it's not looking good or mm. whatever it would be. I have yet to find anyone to turn me down when I ask, that's serious. Can I pray for you? Mm. Let's do our meeting at the end. Is it okay if I pray for you? And they say, yeah, great. That'd be great. Mm. So you need to know your client. That would be really important, um, whether they would appreciate that or not. Um, it's, it, I'm respecting my employer, mm. um, but I'm respecting the needs of my client too. So, um, yeah, so that's a, that's a connection. You can, of course, follow it up, you know. Hey, this is now just Sandy, someone who cares about you, and I want to hear about the surgery. How did that go? And um, it, So that's one component. Yeah. Um, in terms of colleagues, though, you know, you spend more time with them than you kind of do your own family, really, if, in a, you know, eight Yeah, five. like an, an average working dad probably spends more time with their coworkers than yeah. they do with their own kids a lot of weeks. For sure. And in the same way, you'll get to know about how things are going on a Monday morning. How's the weekend? Yeah, this is kind of what's happening. So um, we've done just a few things I think are really practical. Um, I'll just share a few of them with you. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I absolutely mm, love it. Amen. Yeah, I just love it. I, I love leading into it. And so, uh, again, these aren't original ideas. I'm sure I stole them from somewhere along the way, but... We'll take a big poster board, put it up in the entrance as you go into the break room, and at the top of it says, what I'm thankful for. Mm. So, And there's just a couple of Sharpies and stuff that are in the little box there. And then for the month leading up to Thanksgiving, people will write, you know, whatever there is they're thankful for, um, which is really good. You learn a lot about them. Mm. Oh, I had no idea that, you know, whatever. Um, mm. And then here comes Thanksgiving, we'll provide a lunch, and I call it specifically, well, lunch, and we'll pray. And if there's needs in the office, there's a death or a circumstance or something, we'll pray for that need. Um, but I'm quite specific. You know, we're gonna, we want to pray together. Hmm. And if you're okay with that, great. So we'll kind of segment that. We're going to have prayer, then we're going to have lunch. But it's been well attended, mm. and it's just been a mm. sweet thing. Yeah. So hopefully that'll help spur some juices into some creative thought of what we can do at the workplace, yeah, things yeah. like that. Yeah, and just seeing those people as people that God has providentially placed you around at least 40 mm. hours a week Yeah, that you can be creative about how to share the gospel yeah. with them. And, yeah. um, you know, and I, and I think going back to what you said about 
your clients. I just I remember you and I talking once because with everything going on with COVID, the markets have been crazy. And I remember you saying that you had some clients that were very concerned, yeah. you know, about that. Yeah, and right. you were in this place uh, to to help them and to to talk to them. And so even even in that one, just to say like your your profession, it's not mowing the lawn. It's a little bit more abstract mm-hmm. than that, but it is still a service, right? Yes. It is mm-hmm. still For sure. a way that you're helping people. But I remember just thinking when you were telling me about uh, talking to some of these clients that I, I was so glad that they were talking to you because I know you've got as much invested in the market as they do. And the piece that you have that surpasses understanding, I'm sure was being communicated to them, whether, uh, whether, overtly or just, you know, they're recognizing like, what's it about the Sandy guy that he doesn't seem nearly as frazzled as I am by the fact that everything is going nuts right now. You know, that that's a way for you Give to Give a witness. reason for the hope that's in you. Yeah, yeah these, right. In these right. uncertain yeah. times. I'm thinking of the duck calm on the top. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Flutter kicking the whole yeah. time. What I hear from you, Sandy, when you're talking about uh, kind of some of those uh, practical things that you do in your workplace is just intentionality. Uh, in your workplace, at taking those opportunities, looking for opportunities mm. to care for others mm. uh, through your work and in your work. Um, I think that's really important. Um, another thing is just, yeah, the way we, uh, the way we actually view work. What is it and, and, and why, is it, why is it necessary? Um, how would that affect the stay-at-home moms, thinking of my wife and your wife, Chase, mm-hmm. um, that that work in the home or even those that are retired, um, how do we encourage them to, to work uh, to the glory of God in their workplace? Uh, boy, I have such great respect for every stay-at-home mom, every housewife, every, you know, someone who's retired. I just, um, what they do is invaluable and reaps dividends that you may not just see at the moment because the the sink is full of dishes and mm-hmm. there's, you know, needs from the kids and the house feels like a mess, but oh my goodness, that time. So sometimes it's not the quality, quantity, but you have quality within the quantity where a kid just in between potty training, tell me about Jesus, mom, when we had that devotion or whatever. I mean, I just think God uses those opportunities. So yeah. we're certainly all bodies of this, of within Christ. We all do different jobs, different mm-hmm. talenting, different abilities. Um, so I think this, all of that is great value to the Lord. Um, and you know, I'm thinking of that passage in Ecclesiastes 9, whatever your hand finds you to do, do it with all your might. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. If you're a housewife, all your might. Yeah. Your parent, all your might. Your grandparent, all your might. Yeah. Be super grandpa. Um, your neighbor, you know, whatever that would and and you know, everyone has different gifting, different ta- talents, and different times. So, um, yeah, I would just say, boy, be intentional. Yeah, yeah. You can say that's your calling, uh, where God has placed you. Like you mentioned, Chase, uh, those that He has providentially put in your path and around you, uh, whether they're coworkers or mm. your children or your family. Um, that's your calling. You're called to those people and to work uh, for their good and mm. for God's glory. Um, that's really. Yeah, that's encouraging to me. Yeah, and that that word calling that you're using, that's a really important concept. Uh, you know, and, and people use the phrase Protestant work ethic uh, a lot. And, and 
that's actually connected to that, right? That this idea, kind of, to what you were saying, that in uh, before the Reformation, the church had separated out what was called like a sacred job and a secular job, mm. and they treated like preaching the word as a sacred job and kind of more important. And mm-hmm. then there was just these secular jobs, you know, whatever else you were doing. And and one of the best things that the reformers did, especially Luther and then Calvin, is they reclaimed this idea that everything is a calling from God, every job. And so like William Tyndale was another guy. He said um, that on the outside, preaching and washing dishes look different. But when it comes to which pleases God, there's no difference at all. Mm, amen. And that That's was good. that was the the idea. And and what's so important about calling or, or vocation? The word vocation comes from the Latin word for to call, vox. Mm-hmm. And and a calling is something you don't choose what your calling is. You are called to it. And I love the way that you put that. That I think especially someone that is maybe in um, a situation that they're not that they wouldn't have picked for themselves. Mm. You know, I know some stay-at-home moms really struggle with that. That's not the vision that they had for themselves growing up. Is that just mundane, in and out, doing chores? Mm. You know, it feels like everything's kind of the same. But if that's where they are, that's what they've been called to. That is their calling. And so they should, what you're saying from Ecclesiastes, they should try to do that with all their heart. Yeah, Yeah, they didn't miss the train of God's will in their life. That's right. That's where... The train led to yeah. you. You've been yeah. led to this. Point. We have you've such a, a that's culture the termination point. That's yeah, that's God your intends. station. Yeah. yeah, in our culture, we we are way too individualistic about our calling. We feel like we have a lot more control over our calling than we actually uh, do. That's not. We should have more of a sense of God's providence in placing us, and that being what we're called to do with all our might. Yeah, yeah. And this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but we're, we're on work and vocation and calling, but. I think some of that comes from a prosperity gospel mindset in that we think we're owed the desires of our hearts. Mm. So if we want something bad enough, yep. and then you mix in a little of the American dream, and it's, just a, it's, yeah. a, it's a cocktail for right. disaster and, and despair and hopelessness when we don't get what we want because we think, well, I really wanted this, and, but God didn't give it to me. Yeah. What happened? Something yeah. went wrong. That yeah. prosperity theology is really just American theology, right? Yeah. It really is just, this is what I want. I should have that, or I should even pursue that. Uh, and and I think that's another thing um, when it just comes to how we think about our work, that that we are not asking God what the right pursuit is, what the right career pursuit is. We're we're calling ourselves to things instead of asking God, is this what you would want me to do? Um, is this how you want me to use this salary increase that I just got? Mm. Is this, it, do you want me to move here to take this position that is maybe a promotion or more, more money, but would take me away from this church that I love? Oh, you know, we don't, mm-hmm. we don't think about glorifying God as much as we need to mm-hmm. in all of our work and career decisions. Yeah. We also a lot of times think about work as a necessary evil. So, Sandy, maybe talk to us about uh, God's good design and purposes in work. Yeah, boy, we again, we are we are created to work. That is our natural state. Yeah. Uh, God mm-hmm. is a worker. He said, you know, tend my garden, work it fill the earth, subdue it. Those are working words. And when we don't work, or let me just say it differently, if we have a wrong relationship with that idea and we're just salty on the whole idea of it, well, you don't have a problem with the job. You have a problem with God. Mm -hmm. God is calling you to work. Now, there's some, are you in the right spot? Is there something else happening? I mean, 
that's a different evaluation. But um, to say that chief aim of man is to just have leisure, no, I think I think we're missing the point completely. Mm-hmm. And again, that's that exposes our heart. Really, I love me. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and you referenced uh, yeah uh, some other verses, and yeah, they're talking about working is unto the Lord mm-hmm. and and everything, uh, you know, whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, First Corinthians, um, we do all to the glory of God. So it really, it really does uh, change our disposition towards work when we understand that God created us to work and that work is actually a gift, right? Amen. Yeah. So, right, with it, we then are given... God-given self-fulfillment. I mean, I don't mean that in a weird way, but yeah. it feels good to work, and we praise God for work. Yeah. Um, we see that um, we want to be obedient to God because He's given us skill and ability um, that we can then use what we have to care for the needs of others. Yeah. No work, no job, no money. You can't help someone else that has a need. Um, you can provide for your relatives in First Timothy 5. Mm. Um, you won't be a burden to those like you, we heard in Second Thessalonians right. three. Yeah, yeah, you actually ease burdens instead yeah. of being a burden, right? Yeah. yeah, right. And you know, if anyone's not willing to work, don't let them eat. Yeah. That's that's a simple equation. I can get that. You know, no work, no food. <laughs> yeah, that's eater, on my, that's on my level. Workers, <laughs> straightforward. <laughs> um, yeah, and and also too, First Thessalonians four, uh, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. It, it all comes back to the gospel, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And think of the corollary of that you're not doing a good thing outside us go. What a lazy guy that is. Yeah, it's too bad. He's just kind of mooching off of whatever. So, God's not glorified in that. Where's the excellence in that? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And yeah. then, and the message that our community preaches is spurned because there are dishonorable people in the community that yeah. that are. Being lazy, that you know, you mentioned First Timothy five. He says that somebody that doesn't take care of his family is worse than an unbeliever. There it is. Yeah. You yeah. know that the the people on the outside of the church are looking in and like, what is wrong with you people? Yeah. You know, so we should be exemplary, not uh, shameful, not bring a reproach mm. on Christ. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It is a it is a gospel issue when it comes to um, somebody looks at you as a Christian, um, but thinks, well, if this is if this is what they believe, and this and what they believe leads them to work in this way, uh, then I don't I don't want what they have. I don't want what they believe. Uh, so, in that sense, you can work in a way that shows that you believe uh, the gospel, that you believe uh, in the work of of Christ on the cross. Uh, the gospel should motivate us to work in in that way, to have opportunity to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Sandy, you you said we're made to work, right? It's so true, and we talked about that in the sermon uh, that that um, God made us to be sub producers, right? He mm. He produced us, and then we continue there to we produce. Right. Um, so so we're made to work, and even what you said, I love what you said that there's a sense of fulfillment that comes from working, and I think that's true. That's really mm. profound. That that that's just us being truly human. And when we do things that make us truly human, we experience more joy because we're living in a rightly ordered way in the world that God ordered. Uh, and that's why Paul calls the idol the disordered in, mm-hmm. in Thessalonians. So we're made to work, but at the same time, work is cursed. 
right? Yes. That it's the ground. Thorns and thistles. That's right. Amen, so, so it's by the sweat of your brow that you eat. You have mm-hmm. to work to eat, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to come with some sweat. So, so sometimes our jobs are not fun. Sometimes our jobs are not fulfilling. I'm sure you have had bad days. Uh, maybe you've even had bad bosses. Um, <laughs> how would you encourage somebody uh, that's, that's struggling in their job? That they're that they, they don't find it fulfilling, mm. um, or or yeah they're having a hard time submitting to their boss. What what would you say to them? Yeah, boy, I'd be full of empathy and understanding with that. Uh, part of it is, as you've mentioned, we live in a now and not yet fallen world, thorns and thistles and sin. Um, there are people with crooked motives and agendas. Uh, slander and falsehoods. Mm. Um, there's a great quote from um, Tim Keller in his great book. I highly recommend it. It's called Every Good Endeavor. Uh, and he says, just because you cannot realize your highest aspirations in work does not mean that you've chosen wrongly or are not called to that profession or look for the perfect career that's devoid of all frustration. Mm-hmm. That would be a fruitless search for anyone you should expect to be regularly frustrated in your work, even though you might be in exactly the right position. So that's just, that's part of it where there's going to be frustration. But I also say that we don't just end there. We look to Christ. Hmm. So Hebrews 4, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace and help in our time of need. That's our time of need. He is eager to hear about what concerns us and the difficulties we face. Sometimes, let's face it, we have difficulty because we've brought it on ourselves. Hmm. Uh, When I show up late four times this week Hmm. um, and my boss is on me, guess what? You yeah. know, I've got some responsibility to that. So, mm. um, And that's corrective for you. That, that difficulty is actually that. making you, yeah. giving you more character. Yeah. yeah. Right. But when there's those hard days, when there's those difficult things, when there's deadlines that just seem unfair, whatever that would be, you know, we know God is always at work. Mm. He's sovereign and he's doing work. So Amen. answer the questions of, Lord, you're at work here. What, where are you? What are you doing and what do you want me to learn? Mm. Um, and to try to take that really difficult thing and say, this is hard, Lord. I'm weak. You are strong. I'm a, I yeah. need your strength. But by your Holy Spirit, guide me into what is true. And if there's things that I need to understand about myself and my circumstance, please give me a right understanding of that. Wow. That's, so. oh man, that's, that's really encouraging. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like Romans five, right? If we rejoice in our sufferings because Amen. it produces steadfastness, which produces character, which produces hope, mm-hmm. and hope doesn't disappoint. So even in those sufferings in our job, it's just driving us, like you said, to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's driving us to Jesus, who um, had people in authority over him that treated him unfairly or un- unwisely, and yeah. uh, it drives us to Jesus, who suffered for the good of other people in a context that was thankless and it can just help us think more about the gospel and how much God loves us Mm. and then how we can exhibit the gospel even in that hardship, especially in that hardship. Yeah, Yeah, we have a category for frowning providences. 
So your rough job situation right now could just be a frowning providence that God is using in his good and gracious wisdom to then make you more like Jesus. Uh, through that, through that trial, through that suffering, we wouldn't we wouldn't downplay that. We wouldn't say that your your bad boss, your rough uh, job situation isn't a, a trial. No, it is. Uh, but trials uh, are good. That's and, the paradox of right. rejoicing in our sufferings. Yeah, it is suffering. Yeah, but we rejoice because yeah. of what it leads yeah. to. And it doesn't mean that you have to stay there either. That we're doomed. That's right. To yeah. stay in a terrible job just because that's where God's put you, and, and so you just have to suffer and like it. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, Paul talks about if someone is a slave that has the opportunity to win yep. their freedom, yep, take advantage so. of that, and avail that. yourself of that. Yeah. You know, You'll you be can, more useful for the gospel's sake if you, if you do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and so even you know, if you're in a bad job, it would be okay for you to be looking to move to mm-hmm. a better job or even mm-hmm. to get more education so that you can advance to a, yeah. like a better position. In your story, Sandy, get out of the heat. Yeah, I don't want to do the chem warfare <laughs> air stuff. Move yeah. towards air you just moved towards the air <laughs> conditioning. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. yeah, that wasn't you running away. You weren't Jonah running from God's calling to the to the but God to used the heat. My, yeah. You know, God used that providentially comfort. to yeah. to lead you to where you are now. And that's why we're you know, I'm so grateful to have not just you, Sandy, but several other elders in our church that are not doing what Drew and I are doing, which mm. is laboring. Which is so easy. Right. Uh, easy. You only work on Sunday, right? And we've we got terrible bosses yeah, too. That's yeah, why I was yeah. asking about what do you do when you don't like your boss? But yeah, right. uh, My boss is Jesus. Sandy's my boss, I think, technically. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Both of you guys, Friday, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll be a bad boss. But I, I'm really glad that we've got some elders like you that have just a lot of experience in the same sphere and the same markets that the majority of our church is so that we've got members, if they're struggling in their job, if you are listening to this and you don't, if you need some advice, email Sandy. Absolutely. Right? Ask Tim Hickman, Mm -hmm. ask Randy Pierce, Mm -hmm. these guys Mm -hmm. that have worked uh, a long time that have Mm -hmm. a lot of wisdom and can counsel you and can, can tell you, no, I think you're looking for another job because you're being greedy or you're being mm-hmm. uh, selfish and not discontent, persevering, you're yeah. discontent. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, I think it would be very wise for you to to take this job. That we're not, again, we're not discerning our calling individualistically. We are doing that in a community. And praise God that he's given us some some men like you to lead us and help yeah. us make those decisions. Yeah, that's really good. Well, it's great to be with you guys. Uh, one last thing. So this commander did say when he left, new one came in, he said, he owes me two cycles of Kim Warfare training. <laughs> no free lunch, Sandy. Hasn't, hasn't forgotten. Has not forgotten. There is no and such I still thing catch as a free up lunch. On all my other training hours. So, so there you go. Someday. It wasn't summer though. That's the good part. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, brother. Appreciate uh, your time. Pleasure to be thoughts. with you guys, and God bless what mm. you do. And thanks. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to the Desert Springs Church podcast. If you have any questions for uh, us or for Sandy, you can email info at dfcabq.com. If you'd like more information about our church or the things that we've got going on, especially in the age of COVID, just go to our website, dfcabq.com. Lord willing, we're going to have another episode for you next week. Until then, on behalf of Drew Hodge and Sandy Beauchamp, I'm Chase Jacobs. Let's keep spreading God's glory broader and deeper. Servando Alfredo Beauchamp. Is that true? 
Uh, my boss is Jesus. Sandy's my boss, I think, technically. Brother, deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Let's. Dude, I keep missing it. Looks straight up chicken scratch. My, my Bochamp. Bo Bochamp. Bo Bochamp. Ground. Thorns and thistles. That's right. Stocks are the only answer. That's kind of what the market does. That's it. God's mandate. We must buy stocks.